Okay. This meeting is being recorded. Zoom call. This meeting is being recorded. Okay, so we're live on our Facebook page and um, I've got tonight's guest, Amy Fleckney. And this is my podcast, Heal With The Real. And the reason why I do Heal With The Real is because I wanted to bring awareness of narcissistic and domestic abuse and how we can move through that from trauma to triumph. And so on my podcast, I have guests that have gone through um, survival to thriver. And yeah, tonight is Amy Fleckney. So uh, over to you, Amy, just to introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do. So I'm Amy Fleckney and I'm a psychic medium and unconscious mind therapist. So thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, so uh, Heal With The Real is my book um, that I began, the reason why I began the podcast and you just telling me that you ha are going to be publishing your book on Monday and um, we'll go into that a little bit during the podcast but if you can tell me a little bit about the beginning of your journey and how you started um as we go along and then we'll go into now what you're doing as a business so yeah if you want to tell me a little bit about the beginning of your journey so i left a quite a, uh, well a very abusive relationship um with two very young children so my daughter was five and my son was four months at the time and I was head over heels in love at first, you know, completely loved Bond. He was slightly old, love Bond. He was slightly older than me. So when I first met him, I thought he was just, you know, amazing. Um, we've got, you know, admittedly two beautiful children. However, it wasn't all as it seems. So I was mentally abused, financially controlled, controlled what, you know, what I wore, what I spoke, what I thought. Um, and he was a little bit of a drinker so a little bit probably an understatement again so weirdly enough I do play it down and that's I think that's my kind of way of um, I, how I manage my healing just kind of sugarcoating the situation a little bit but times were very very tough so when I left him it took me you know over two years to actually pluck up the courage to actually leave um, not because I didn't love him um, because I was probably unhealthily obsessed with wanting to make my family work because I had been tortured into believing that it, I was the problem, that I was the issue and that I was led to believe that I was completely mentally unstable, basically. So I become quite obsessed with being an amazing mum to my, my two children, because at that time I felt that was all I had and all I was good at. Um, everything that I ever wanted, everything that I ever wanted to be or imagine myself to be was taken away um, through years of limiting beliefs from someone that's supposed to have loved me and wanted to have the best for me but so when I actually did leave him um I literally left with my two children and my closing bin bags I had you know I wasn't financially stable my family are not financially stable to support me so with very little support off obviously the official sources I was able to kind of rent my own house however as probably a lot of people know that you know that doesn't come cheap and I financially struggled heavily so I actually lost that house moved into another one lost that one and I then was given an opportunity through a friend who she knew 
that I could live in a caravan in a lorry yard. So it wasn't glamorous. It definitely wasn't a holiday camp and there was no indoor swimming pool. It was dusty in the summer and filthy muddy in the winter and it was full of arctic lorries turning around and storage containers and there was me little me in the corner in my static caravan with my two young children um it was quite remote and on private land as well so while I was able to live there um I was actually quite set free of the torment of my ex because the first two years I left him he tormented me still would turn up at my door in the middle of the night would threaten to come and hurt me and so on and so forth so as you can imagine the first two years I left him how hard it was anyway having two young children on my own and and trying to be in the kind of in the big wide world I was still very young I was only 25 and um with him controlling everything I I didn't really know how to run a household when I met him I moved from my parents to his so it was a whole new ball game for me and with him causing havoc around me with no financial support or or any support towards our children for that matter um it wasn't it was such a difficult time and my mental health suffered you know immensely so during this time I had this opportunity to move to the caravan of course I felt shame around that because I thought I, I had you know intrusive thoughts of if I'd have stayed with my ex then my children would be able to live in a house all of these you know mad thoughts that, that I thought I'd let my kids down however um, when I first moved there, I thought, you know what, it's gonna, I'm gonna have six months, and then I'll have got my shit together, and I'll, and I'll have everything figured out. And then three and a half late years later, I was still living there because it actually, even when I talk about it, I'm smiling when I talk about it because that little caravan gave me my life back. It gave me my freedom. Sure. It gave me my health. It gave me the ability to try to find me again and obviously my children saw that side of me so they were the happiest I think I'd ever seen them although my children never suffered because when our kids were asleep that's when we do our crying that's when we do our screaming into a pillow um and and looking back prior to those caravan days I I thought it was going to kill me I thought I thought the trauma that my body was going through was going to kill me and I I remember saying ringing my mum and saying please take me to hospital please let me let me be put to sleep I need this to end um because the trauma and the torment it was the, the torment of being tormented from someone else it's it's unbearable and it has that lifelong effect doesn't it on on you and and I think you don't ever get over that trauma um what I discovered was I'd hung on to that trauma for a long long time and I'd not got um, released it you you hold on to those traumas mm-hmm. can you take me back to you mentioned the love bombing stage what yeah. is love bombing and let's talk about a bit about love bombing and what that is so when I met him he was you know the best thing since sliced bread you know couldn't buy me enough couldn't do enough couldn't take me places enough you know all of these amazing treats gifts everything and you know he was like my breath of fresh air he, I, you know I thought bloody hell he's amazing how have I got so lucky um you know we did have a lot in common at that time and I'm but all of our things in common got squashed because eventually I had nothing in common with anything because I didn't know what I liked and what I didn't like anymore so with 
the love bombing you know within three months we, he took me on holiday because I turned 21 and three months later he, he, he took me on holiday like big surprise holiday and then within six months it was like come and live with me come and live with me and all of this so I actually moved quite far away I moved from Bedfordshire to Essex to be with him I left my job I you know I left everything my friends my parents um, as I said I moved out of my parents house and um, went and lived with him and I do feel that it kind of changed when um, I was pregnant, I think, to be honest. It was all. Wow. And it's and, and I'm sure people are nodding now who have been through my experience because all of a sudden the attention's not on him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Because I think you really hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, three months into my relationship, I fell pregnant. And that's when the abuse started with me as well. So, um yeah and and a lot of women in fact there was a post the other day on LinkedIn about um a woman putting that abusers tend to prey on women when they're more vulnerable and pregnant so yeah uh, you know you know I'm guessing a lot of listeners that that will definitely ring true to so you're finding yourself pregnant and then what happens so do you know what we had our we had our daughter and you know he was great in front of everybody he was lovely he was you know daddy take care um but again I lost who I was in the sense of what what was Amy about anymore you know anything that I kind of wanted for my future I always had bright ideas for my future my imagination was always vivid as a child and I think I was creating the vision before I knew how to create a vision and trust the vision um so looking back I just had to ignore anything that I ever wanted. And I actually got a little cleaning job in the end, in the mornings. So when my daughter was asleep, I used to go and clean for three hours just so I had my own money Yeah. because I didn't have my own money. Um, and he, if I ever needed anything, I'd have to then ask him and he begrudged, you know, giving me anything. And I used to have to show receipts and accountable for the money that was spent and, you know, and everything. So I used to get up cleaning for three hours while my daughter was still asleep. And obviously he was asleep he was there for her and then I would go and do cleaning for three hours in the morning at like four o'clock in the morning and it just gave me that time to 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 earn a little bit of money of my own really um but my big hopes and dreams they were they were blurred they they were fogged by then I had no clarity you know all I wanted to do was be an amazing mum and even that you know I think that we all want to be amazing mums but that become unhealthy because my obsession with I have to prove him wrong, he thinks I'm going to fail, you know, constantly being told that I'm a failure, constantly being told that, you know, that's not the right T-shirt to put on the baby. You need to put this T-shirt on and so on. Silly things, yeah. but that chips and chips and chips and chips, you know, away at someone and my obsession to be the best mum I could be. So no one, because he used to make me believe that if I didn't do things in a certain way, then he would take my daughter away from me. So having that threat of losing my daughter who gave me life she gave me life you know I remember the day I had her you know it gave me everything I ever want a purpose you know and um she definitely saved me and she made me and on the nights that he would have a drink and you know turn I was always safe in her bedroom so I used to go into her bedroom and get in her bed and used to just lay with her and that that become my home for me you know okay I lived with him we lived together but that wasn't my home that was just somewhere that I lived and even after I left him, the two houses that I so badly struggled to keep financially, they were not my home. They were somewhere that I lived. And I actually never felt home until I moved to the caravan, oh. which is, you know, it's mad. 
So tell me a bit more about, so you're, you've moved over there on your own and you're isolated. And that's something that a lot of abusers like to isolate their victims. So who did you, who were your close, did you have any close people by that you could turn to? Yeah, so when I first moved, see, like we quite often, me and my daughter, she's now like 15 this year. So we quite often have conversations about, you know, baby groups and when I didn't have a baby shower and I laugh about it now because I'm like, I had no friends because yeah. when I moved to Essex, I had no friends. I, um, I then, I didn't, I didn't go to work when I had her. So I wasn't making friends at work. I wanted to go to work, but he refused to support me and help me with the childcare. So I was in a catch 22 situation. I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't do right for doing wrong. He wanted me to go to work because he called me lazy and would call me nasty names, but yet he wasn't willing to, and my parents weren't on my doorstep and my parents were my only point of childcare. Um, so I didn't really have any friends. And then when I had her, I did start going to baby groups and stuff like that. But although I went to baby groups, I still felt very alone. I felt, how can I make friends? How can I invite people around to my house? How can I have play dates? You know, although Jasmine, she had an, a beautiful life and she still has, you know, she's such a, my, all three of my kids are so happy and they always have been. And that's one thing I can give myself credit for that even in that caravan, you know, they were our happiest days. And, but I felt very conscious of, making different friendships and then sometimes I'd make friendships and he would just spoil them anyway so it got to a point where I was like oh I'm better off on my own however when she then started preschool I did get really good friends with um with a girl Jenny she's one of my best friends and her and her partner they you know when I left him I would go there for dinner most nights because I was so broke like financially I just struggled so much so that I used to go there for dinner most nights you know to eat and we would she would we would talk for hours or you know be whatsapping her all the time you know whatsapps turn into hugs don't they from friends yeah. all it takes is that one that one whatsapp just to take the edge off it and you know Jenny saw me through a lot of my dark days I actually feel emotional when I think about her no, that's that's good yeah. that you had that somebody around, yeah. you know, to support you. So you so how did you did you had to, did you have to make a plan to escape? How did it get to the where you needed you knew you needed to leave? How did that scenario happen? I just knew that you know I had my son and I knew that if I stayed. I didn't know mentally if I would survive it, to be honest. Um, everything I everything I do, everything I am is because of my children. And at that time, they were just literally giving me my air to breathe, you know, every day I was existing. And um, so, yeah, I, I just knew, I knew I had to go. And that knowing of having to go and then thinking, shit, how am I going to do this? Because financially I couldn't save money. There was no money to save. Yeah. You know, how am I going to do this? So I obviously in secret, you know, went to our local authorities, asked for help, but there was only so much help that they could offer because he owned his own property. So realistically, if I left with my children, I make myself homeless. Nice. So you're then up against the fact that you don't get the help that you, that you need. So um, my parents helped me a little bit with like getting a deposit together and this was all kind of like behind his back so I actually was renting a house for six months empty before I left him okay wow because 
just trying to find that that courage to be like I'm going and I'm going now and it how, couldn't how, be. how many years ago was that now Amy because there isn't I mean there's more support now for women that are leaving and fleeing um the home but um, in those that I know for me even when I've used to phone the police they used to kind of make you feel like you were the you know the person that caused the trouble and there wasn't yeah. that support um, I mean you know, we're talking now. 10 years ago we're talking 10 years ago now yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. the legislation of things because he owned his own property and all of that sort of thing you know, that, that made things very difficult, but you know, the, the sad thing is, you know, I didn't go there asking for handouts. I just, you know, I remember going in there once so poorly because I was getting so unwell, like chest infections. I had a massive stomach ulcer. It was awful. I was so poorly. And I went in there once and said, I, I, I will live in a bed sit. Like, please, I just, I just need some time to get myself straight you know financially I want to be able to support myself that was always my big dream you know to be able to put my head on that pillow and know that no one can take nothing from me um be safe I guess as well and just and just be restful you know I thought I'd never sleep again I thought when am I going to actually go to sleep knowing that I'm safe and secure and content I thought what does that feeling even feel like anymore yeah and you know when you're talking about all the illness and I know that you hold on to all those and it becomes disease in your body. And so maybe all those illnesses that you're talking, uh, talking about at the time were part of the trauma that you, the body Absolutely. holds on to. Oh, I, I 100% um, believe that, you know, there's no way, you know, energy needs to flow and energy can't flow if there's blockages, resistance and, you know, essentially stress, anxiety, any form of that that hormone you put that that's poison in your body and it has yeah. to go somewhere so for me it would go to my stomach you know I was so poorly chest infections relentlessly um and then you know like I say when I moved to the caravan you know I spent probably the first year in the caravan trying to get better because I was constantly so unwell and then it just started you know my life started to change slowly slowly and and when you got to the caravan because yeah. um for me after leaving my abuser the the um harassment didn't stop there that went on for quite some time afterwards um did that what what was that like for you did that happen for you did you still get harassed um yeah so um when I left him there was like a two-year time frame that it well, or nearly two years that it took me probably about 18 months actually to two years when I moved to the caravan so prior to moving the caravan I was still quite accessible for him but then when I moved to the caravan I moved to like the next town so if he'd have had a drink there was no way he was going to get in drive to me so and I was quite isolated in the car like where the caravan was I was on private land so and he had to come through big gates to get in and he couldn't get in he couldn't get in right and and there were people on site you know there were lorry drivers on site that lived on site so if he stepped foot in there and caused trouble, they would have always, they become my family. They looked out for me. So it was like another world, another world. That's, that's great that you had that back up there. Definitely. Yeah. Because you need that, don't you? You need somebody there that's supporting you. Yeah. So what did you use? Cause there was many things that I used during my healing and um, to, you never heal. You never, never heal because it's always there, but you start letting go um, 
how did you start that process I think being being honest um time time is a massive healer and that sounds cliche but actually that's just keeping it basic and that's keeping it real time is a massive healer yeah and I know you say like we never heal um I think kind of running along kind of running alongside that I think it's my healing is that feeling of free like I feel free I feel free I don't feel angry I don't feel sad I don't feel I actually don't feel anything anymore towards him and that stage in my life if anything I can now forgive him for the person he chose to be because that was now on him and not me and I'm able to channel that into being able to help other people because it's so important and you know this yourself because that's everything you're about it's so important that women you know we all and men of course that we know that if you are in an abusive relationship of any kind that you feel you're out of control you know as human nature we should be allowed to be in control of our own thoughts at the very least and if there's any element of being out of control in any relationship then you can get out and there is a way where there's a will there's a way and time plays a huge role it took me two years it took me two years in my head when I knew I was going it took me two years to to walk away to leave um and then it took me another two years to I guess stop the harassment and make that break because in my heart I thought I still loved him it's an unhealthy love you know because he's talked for me he's thought for me he's done everything for me that who's Amy Fleckney anymore like who is she I was just a mum I was just my children's mum and that's it and that's unhealthy um and it's so important for women to know that no matter what they think they want to become they can become like the mind for me my 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 power of my mind um played a huge huge role and obviously looking back knowing what I know now with the power of mindset and the unconscious mind I guess I was creating my visualizations to leave and to attempt to get a better life but when you're caught in it it's very difficult to see that when you're caught in it and when you're emotionally attached it's almost at that time it almost feels impossible to and what would you say because lots of people say well why didn't she just leave why didn't she just leave and it's I think you know, it's one of the worst things that you can say to somebody that's yeah. been in an abusive relationship. Why? Yeah, I mean, leave. fear, you know, fear, doubt, shame. Did I want to leave my kid's dad? Absolutely no way. Yeah. I wanted my own family. I wanted to show my parents that they could be proud of me for having my own family, my own setup, my own, you know, 2.4 children set up. You know, we all want, ultimately, we, we all want that to a degree. Yeah. And I didn't want to let anyone down I didn't want to let my children down you know was was being a single mum in my life plan absolutely not but now I'm like I'm so proud I'm so proud to be in that single mum club like we are another breed <laughs> yeah and I think you touched on something really important is forgiveness um 100%. you know forgiving those people and forgiving yourself more importantly I think forgiving yourself for putting yourself through what what you did uh, yeah. and and letting go of those limiting beliefs that you've always hung on to so important oh isn't it because if you don't do that forgiveness piece 
then yeah. you're always holding on to it so I think you really touched on an important part there is and there anything else that you do in your daily routine sorry you were going to say something then uh, that's okay no I was just going to say and it sets you free yeah. you know yeah forgiveness it you know forgiveness doesn't have to be grand gestures it can just be thoughts and you know ultimately our thoughts are what create us so it's really important that um you know but that comes in time again you know I'm so much further on now in my healing journey I'm 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 at peace to talk about it um I'm I'm still very respectful the fact that he's my children's dad to a degree as well like I would never sit here and lay into him and publicly slag him off either when actually that's what he bloody well deserves but at the same time we as women we do take that protection role of our children don't we as well so um you know he chose to be the person he was and he can do it but over there (laughs) yeah Yeah. away (laughs) so yeah any any other healing tools that you would use on a daily basis what what's your day what would a normal day in amy amy fleckney's life look like (laughs) gosh you want to ask me that blimey so obviously I'm a psychic medium so I'd love to sit here and go I meditate I'm connecting I'm sitting in the power of spirit blah blah however you know I've got three kids I run a household I've got a dog you know I run two businesses alongside each other I've got my own spiritual center I've just wrote a bloody book it's all like I'm winging it I'm winging this you know this thing however that I do visualize I I do my visualizations I visualize every single day every morning and every night there is no question of a doubt and I'm probably doing it longer than that to be honest because my whole brain is looking to the future all the time I'm always creating I never stop creating so my visualization is every single day um and connecting to spirit when I'm working fortunately it comes really naturally for me so it's not like I turn it on and off I can just bring it in and bring it out because I've created that discipline as well that, you know, spirit know when I'm working and spirit know when I'm not, but I can call on them and I can bring them in. You know, I do try and sit in the power of spirit as much as I possibly can with, you know, alongside some meditation, but that's not what I do on a daily basis because I'm working with spirit all the time. So it's no different than working in an office with 50 people. It's the same sort of thing. So, but I live a very, very, very hectic lifestyle, very hectic, hectic so with with the visualization what 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 do you do what's that process so i can be in my shower every morning and i've got my eyes closed because i like to shut off my external vision when you close off your external vision you're not taking in oh the cobweb in the corner of the room that you forgot to dust and you're not taking (laughs) in everything else and it actually lets your brain just just slow just slow the pace down a little bit and just allows you to dream but choose your dreams while you're awake so it's no different to using your imagination as a child when you said, oh, I want to grow up, I want to be a nurse. And then you've got that visualization in your mind of you being a nurse and how does that look? So every morning and every night, I allow my brain, I'm closing my eyes now as I'm talking about it because I find I just do it like that. Um, I allow my mind to take me to where I want to be, what I'm doing, who I'm with, you know, even down to like what I'm wearing, how it feels. I'm connecting all of those connections to it because ultimately what I create in my mind will become my reality so that's why when you're scared when you're anxious be careful not to feed that energy in your mind because that what we feed our brains is what we become 
Absolutely. I do a vision board. I do a vision board every year and I, I do meditate every, most days I'm, I do a meditation. I even do a sleep meditation because, um, I run an eight hour one on an evening and your subconscious will still take that all in or all that information from the meditation. But the vision board is, is exactly what you say, you know, what you put into your mind will then become your reality. And so my vision board at the beginning of um, 2022, yeah, 2022, I've done another one now, but most of that on there came to fruition. And I would then go and meditate around my goals and what I wanted to um, achieve in that year. Um, as an example, you know, I had a little, I wanted a little dog. I've always had big dogs, wanted a little dog. And I put that on my vision board. And sure enough, in June, a man had died and didn't have anybody to look after this dog. They needed a new owner. And so, oh. the, you know, a little dog came into my life. So it really does come to fruition you know what what you put in your mind so tell me a little bit about your work then and how you began your businesses after you've so we've we've left it are you still in the caravan or did you where, no. where so when I was living in the caravan I started I've, I've always been spiritual and I've always been very in tune and I've always had the ability to connect to spirit so I knew I could do that when I was like eight years old yeah. But I never used it in practice. I never used it in any way, shape or form, really. I guess if I'd have listened more, then I wouldn't have made as many mistakes as what I had. However, um, I did beauty therapy for a long time and, and wasn't ever fulfilled. And as a single mum, it was, you know, juggling two children on my own. It was never, ever going to give me a roof over my head and food on the table. It just, yeah. it just wasn't, you know, the setup that I had, it wasn't sustainable. So for me you know, I guess I was kind of, I did always have bigger um, dreams because I was fortunate enough that one of my best friend's mum, she's like really successful businesswoman. So I was living in the caravan, spent a lot of time with them. And I used to just look at her and feel like a sponge. I used to look at her and I love how she talked. I love the way she carried herself, you know, and I used to think, oh God, that's empowering. It's empowering. I love it. I, I used to just be quite obsessed with it. Like, and I used to think, yeah, one day, you know, one day, maybe one day, this one day, that that famous, you know, two words one day. Yeah. And um, Obviously, I had no idea how I would ever be some sort of businesswoman in any way, shape or form. I was living in two, living in a caravan with two kids in a lorry yard. You know, how was I going to get there? But actually, the key to visualisation is to not worry about the how. Yeah. Um, just trust the process. So. I had to leave the caravan. I didn't have to, but I chose to because um, my children were getting older and it just wasn't right. So I moved to a new town. I put them in new schools. So again, I was quite alone. Again, I was struggling financially. However, so I had a few friends on the psychic network and we I got chatting you know, we've become quite friendly with one, particularly, we've never actually met in real life, we're kind of like online best friends, and um, she gave me an opportunity, because she knew I was in tune, and knew, she would always say to me, oh Amy, what do I do, da, 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 da. and I was able to kind of, you know, connect, and kind of give her guidance and clarity, so she gave me an opportunity to do some kind of like psychic guidance questions online, so I was quite protected by the screen, no one could see me, it was all good, and the response I got was really, really good, and then I found myself connecting to spirit quite easily 
I felt very comfortable with it. I felt um, confident, very confident with it. And the response I was getting was good. So I set up my own Facebook page, set up my own Facebook group. I joined a Facebook reader group where I was then an approved reader, which was amazing. It gave me loads of practice. And then I literally started reading online all around the world, mediumship, psychic, questions fertility even I was in like a specific specialized fertility reading group so I'd read into pregnancies birth genders all of that kind of thing but it's all psychic related and it just grew like it just grew really quickly and I just felt so good like I felt so comfortable I felt like yeah this is where I'm meant to be this is what I should be doing um and that was how I was able to support myself. Finally, you know, everything that I would, all I ever wanted was to be able to support myself, help people and provide for my kids. And I was able to do all three. So Amazing. And we do become resilient, don't we? And I think that's the thing. And, and that was obviously your calling to do that. Absolutely. So what's your Facebook? Do you still have your Facebook page? What's that called? Yeah. So my Facebook page, page is amy's mediumship and psychic readings okay and then my group is amy's psychic mediumship reviews and more <laughs> i mean we can put a link can't we in the in the comments below you, you you're welcome to do yeah. that to you to your groups and everything thank you thank um, you so you've got a book coming out yes. on on monday yep wow what's the name I'm not sharing the name actually. Okay. I'm not sharing it until Monday, the name of the book. So, you know, please follow me, find out more. And I share, you know, a really in-depth encounter of my journey. Um, And yeah, I just want to help people. I just want someone, you know, so many people say to me, why have you wrote the book? Why have you wrote the book? Loads of people probably asked you as well, why you wrote yours. And I wrote the book because there was a time when I was sitting in that caravan thinking how has my life come to this how am I going to change my life how am I going to be anything and I remember looking for a book kind of looking for keywords how I was feeling at that time and there wasn't one so I had to be the author of that book so if there's one girl sitting out there that picks up my book and reads it and gets hope and confidence to be able to change her life then the purpose of my book has been fulfilled yeah yeah. Because if I can change my life and be happy, just that simple word, you know, everybody just wants to be happy. And, you know, I have changed my life and my life is very different now. And if I can do it, anyone can. Yeah, absolutely. And we're living proof that we, we can. You know, for me, we were just talking before we went um, live about how how I felt about releasing my book and how um, you're going to feel on Monday about releasing yours. So for me, I, I didn't talk about mine for six months <laughs> and, uh, you know, I didn't tell anybody for the shame of my past. Um, and I was still at the time of publishing my book, I was still going through that healing journey. And I think that's the reason why it was so difficult for me to just go, look, yeah, I've published a book. But I just sat on it for six months and didn't tell anybody. 
although I'd been speaking about it on the Clubhouse, which is an audio app on stages, that actually gave me then the strength to go and start talking about it. So how, how do you think you're going to feel on Monday? So in similar ways, I was saying to you before, wasn't I, that I wrote the book in 10 weeks, I typed it all up on my phone, and that's how I wrote it. And it then took me two years to bring it out. So it's been two years because I couldn't read it back. And obviously, you've got to read it back, you know, even when you even when you have an editor go through it, you've got to read it back, you have to check it, triple check it, because you're the only one that knows your story. Yeah. So going back in it, was really hard for me and even I mean this was like last year type thing and I was so far on in my healing journey but that I think the the last bit of my healing was resentment you know I, I had held on to quite a lot of resentment and I didn't realize that until I had wrote my book and I couldn't face going back in it and reading certain elements of it so mine sat there for nearly a year because I just refused refused literally refused point blank to go back into it um but then I you know started healing again I guess moved further on shifted some energy shifted some crap and um was able to go back in it hence the reason now that you know it's fine I just I can't believe it's coming out like it's been sitting there for that long and I feel like it's been a really long journey um it's it's weird when I say that yeah it's coming out and it does feel weird because we're quite when you're in an abusive relationship you become quite a private person you almost come very superficial and you become quite good at bending the real reality of things yeah. So yeah. in a in a book you are bearing my soul in so many different ways and everybody will read that some yeah. people like it some people might not you know it's that I've just got to take the rough with the smooth and um but I, but ultimately, you know, someone will pick up that book and find hope and get get guidance from it, just like they do with yours. And that's essentially all I can ask for. Yeah, well, I, I wrote my the first half was my memoir, but the second half was all the self-help techniques that I personally use because I'd written my book and I thought, well, I can't just leave it there. I've got to write all the things in the second half about what helped me to heal and move past that trauma. Um, so my second part of the book is all about that. And I thought that was the most important part yeah, as well definitely. as my journey, but telling other women how they can kind of move past. I mean, not everything works the same for everybody. Everybody heals mm -hmm. in different ways, don't they? We're all unique at the end of the day. But like you say, if we can help just one person, even through this podcast, exactly, you know, telling our stories, if we can just help one person to yeah. heal in their journey, then our yeah. job's done, isn't it? Our job's done. And I think it's important that we talk about our stories. It's so important. Um, and it's, it's part of our continuing healing. You know, it's part of that. So it's just important. And it's important to find yourself again, you know, that is so yeah. important. Like even even keeping it basic, you know, in the early stages, it was just it was just thinking, oh, what food do I like? You know, what because things like that 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 all got lost. Yeah, yeah. What clothes do I like? What you had to just learn about yourself again. Yeah, and we were talking earlier about you know the, the words that we use to ourselves, you know, yeah. um, the unkind words, and our brain listens to that our minds listen to that absolutely you know and we could be going oh you silly cow or what you know calling ourselves these names inside our heads 
Yeah. And, you know, that manifests into yes, your body. Absolutely. absolutely. I, I always say to people, um, talk to yourself like you talk to your best friend. Yeah. Because if your best friend come to you and said, I'm so fat, I'm so ugly, I'm useless, you'd be saying, no, you're not. And you'd be giving them all this positive affirmation to lift them up. So talk to yourself like you talk to your best friend in the mind, because it's in here where it's doing all, all the work. Yeah. And positive affirmations was a thing for me, you know, when you don't like yourself and you're stood in front of that mirror and you're saying, yeah. I am good enough. You don't actually believe it at the time because that voice inside that inner voice is still saying, no, you're not good enough. You, you know, yeah. you're, this, you're that you're ugly, whatever, all those names that, you were called in the in your previous through your previous trauma you still really believe that in your own head and yeah so positive affirmations is quite a hard thing at the beginning um but the more you say it the more you tell yourself you are enough and the more that you high five and and like you say I think you spoke um about the feeling as well of having that feeling Absolutely. you are because you've got to feel in not just saying it but feeling that emotion as well. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? It's been absolutely amazing to have you, Amy. Mm -hmm. um, where So we can find you. We've told us we can find you on your Facebook page. So where's your book? Where's your book going to be published on Monday? So my book will be available on Amazon on Monday. So if you want to find it, type in my name and it will come up, which will be amazing. Everyone can go and buy it. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and my website, obviously, amyfletneymediumship.co.uk and Instagram, TikTok, I'm there. So, yeah, it'll Wonderful. be good to see you. Well, thank you, thank you so, so much for being my guest. Um, you've been incredible, your story and your journey and everything. And I wish you so much success in the future for everything you do. You're amazing and you've been an awesome guest. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you.